everyone, my name is Donatas Urbanas, I'm the host of the podcast Urbonus and today I have a very special guest. Uh, once a year or twice sometimes I have something like a basketball spa, something like a basketball festival uh, of talking to one of the best uh, basketball minds uh, in the world. And this time I will share this pleasure uh, with the viewers and listeners of Urbonus podcast. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the general manager of Fenerbahce Istanbul, Mauricio Gerardini. Labas, Donatas, it's good to be here. It's good to be with you. And again, I'm, uh, I'm happy for the opportunity and I'm looking forward to the sharing that, uh, that we might have today. Yeah, and uh, Mauricio, I won't lie to you. Uh, you're really one of the most clever and most thoughtful basketball persons to listen to. And I know very well that you inspire a lot of people, but tell me who are these minds that inspire you for example where do you seek for that inspiration for some basketball ideas some basketball thoughts or it's like you just have that privilege you know to make a phone call to somebody and to talk about certain things and you don't know you don't need to wait for some some interviews some podcasts or books uh, to be published well i i think it's because i'm an old guy i'm saying i I witnessed the developments of, of basketball through four decades and and probably I had the chance to to build uh, a network of contacts and, and and actually real friendships when it was not so technological it was probably closer on a human level and uh, you know that I'm not very technological, so I, 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 I did whatever it was possible to, to follow up on, on the contacts that actually uh, helped me growing through this uh, you know, business of basketball. And, uh, and I feel like I've been extremely lucky. I've been extremely lucky because not only I had a chance to work in incredible places where it was uh, whether it was uh, my hometown or Benetton or NBA or Fenerbahce but I also had a chance to to meet and work with uh, very very special people coaches players that uh, executives presidents that they really impacted my life this morning I was uh, you know talking to some young people, you know, lecturing. And uh, I gave him, I gave him a first statement by reminding what, uh, what a friend like Steve Nash said the night that the, that he was enshrined in the basketball Hall of fame. You know, they, he tried to explain that the secret of, uh, of all this is living our passion, our love for the game, uh, giving everything we have and uh, to the point that then we should be so enthusiastically living our passion that most of the time we don't even have a balance to really you know uh, control our craziness for our passion you know but usually we find the balance as we get older you know and i got older but i still cannot find that balance and he said the thing that you miss most when you when you finish to to live a you know a playing career in this case is the fact that you're going to be missing the opportunity to give 100% on a on a daily basis you're going to miss the fact that every day you are striving for the best you're trying to be the best you're fighting to to improve and in in our cases we're fighting for you know, make our organization better or to be more creative or to improve our chances to be successful. And uh, I still approach the, the game of basketball that way. And, uh, and, I, and I feel the privilege of having the, let's say, the network of the people that, have, let's say, mentor, mentor me through the years. And... Uh, I always tell young people networking is fundamental in the in, in in anything that you do in life but especially again we're talking about the business of basketball how 
how you grow your uh, your career and uh, and it's very important to take care of your contacts to take care of your relationship but to take care in a way that the other side understands that you really care about that relationship it's not just a checklist that you that you check on a daily basis no there has to be a deep sense of friendship of curiosity of need for a suggestion or for help and uh, again i try to live my basketball life following this uh, let's say desire of uh, keeping my relationship as deep and alive as possible and i think at the end of the day i i had the privilege to enjoy i don't want to say all of them for all this year but most of them for all this year yeah you mentioned a very good point um, about mentoring people and it seems like that you're in that kind of you know point of your life and and your career that usually you're the one who's men- mentoring uh, somebody and a lot of basketball people look at you as a mentor but uh, can you mention uh, can you mention uh, do you still have i mean what kind of mentors of yourself you're still looking for who who would you call your mentors right now well i think there are there are special people in your life that have impacted you and in different moments so uh, again if i go through the years definitely my you know my first president in my, on my hometown team it was a famous surgeon and uh, not a real basketball guy but he told me many things about the sense of life you know or how to in- interpret people and judge people and judge people and get the most out of people but I remember, you know, Mr. Porelli in Bologna was a very special person to talk basketball to. Um I remember other people from uh, that that had uh, that impact my let's say my career because the sharing was deep sharing. I mean, I could say RC Buford, I could say Jerko Bradovic, I could say in a way Jordi Bertomeu. What I'm saying is people that uh, and there have been many many of them you know right now you know it's not easy to to you know to list all of them and uh, but as i said before you it's very important how you live this uh, this relationship how much you are open in, in the sharing and um, i had many special people in my you know in my basketball career and that, and I owe the, I owe them a lot because I always try to live every day with the assumption that I can learn something every day so I, I think the, the 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 most important uh, side of of uh, of uh, of someone who who wants to grow in this sort of profession is to be curious about everything we do to 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 the sense of curiosity is very important to follow every aspect of the basketball business and again uh being open to learn something every day because uh it's impossible to know all the answers and that's that's truly truly impossible yeah i mentioned that uh, uh you look weird at people and especially at coaches who has all the answers uh, you mentioned it in one of your podcasts that if if the coach knows all the answers something is wrong with that uh, coach definitely definitely it's impossible to know all the answers and uh, but 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 again the sense of curiosity uh it's it's important i for example i also had a very very special relationship with with Mr. Benetton for 15 years and I kept the relationship even afterwards and uh, being able to spend let's say selective moments with him through my through a, a span of 25 years was for example very special for me because it was not just basketball it was was life was uh, you know ideas was uh, thinking out of the box it was uh, sharing you know situation that you know don't have anything 
directly related to basketball, but tell you a lot of how to manage your basketball business. And also tells you a lot about how getting to know people, evaluate people, relationships, and everything. Talking about the curiosity, a few days ago I asked you uh, to rate your excitement about the upcoming season from 1 to 10. And I cannot say that I expected something, some different answer. And your answer was uh, 10. So I just, you know, I wish uh, I will be as excited as you before my 41st season uh, in basketball. But uh, what I wanted to ask you, uh, I mean, what excites you the most specifically for the upcoming season with Fenerbahce? I told you. If the answer is not 10, you have a problem. And uh, every season, you know, it brings you something different. And, uh, and you need to be, let's say, uh, ready to accept the challenge. The challenge is never the same. It's not that every year you have the same goal or the same type of challenge. The challenge changes, you know, year by year, just like in a season, you know, sometimes you have to follow the, the results of the team in order to adjust your goals and always to create more motivation, more, you know, enthusiasm and, or manage the level of the expectation. But uh, you want that challenge. The, the beauty of our profession and the beauty of life is, is accepting the challenge and, 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 and go for the challenge. So I want to feel the adrenaline of the challenge. I want to feel the adrenaline of the, of trying to reach a goal that I think is, is, is reachable based on whatever season or whatever situation we're facing. I am excited about the new season because, uh, you know, we change quite a bit. We have uh, many new faces. You know, I watched the team a little bit in practice this first, you know, three days before they add on for, to the mountains today. But you can feel good vibes. You can feel enthusiasm. Uh, okay, we're still trying to get to know each other. But, but I, you know, uh, I think we have a, a deeper team, a more physical team. I think each of them has a, has a reason to let's say, push himself to the limit because that's what you need to have from every, from every player in order as a team to have a better chance to be successful. And, uh, and again, I, I feel the excitement. I feel, the, I feel that it's going to be a, a very challenging season, but uh, I don't want to talk too early, but we could surprise some people. Okay, yeah, and your uh, summer was busy. I mean, you changed kind of, you know, at least one third or almost half of your roster and it seemed like everything was going, you know, according to the plan. But then uh, your head coach left the team uh, just almost, you know, before the preseason or at least how your summer uh, was uh, prepared. And instead of, you know, having a time off from basketball, you, again, you 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 were kind of, you know, put in an emergency situation. And... Uh, Uh, as you already mentioned, the worst part of it was the timing uh, because it was July and the head coaching market was pretty dry. But tell me how your first hour or two looked like in such an emergency situation and how do you try to cope uh, with such, such unexpected challenges? <coughs> well, uh, having to face an issue like this uh, the third week of July is... Uh, Very unusual, totally unexpected. Uh, something that, uh, again, on one hand, we we understood, you know, what was behind uh, Igor's, let's say, decision or request and his desire to go home. But we also understood very clearly that, that we had a problem. So um, we tried to. Again, as you, as you mentioned, you know, it's a very difficult time of the year. Uh, we try to face the, the market, 
we tried to the market. I'm talking about the coaches, coaches uh, market. We tried to evaluate the option, and uh, my first concern was the fact that we had to, after you know, cre basically creating a plan, sharing a plan with one driver, uh, having to manage the same plan with the new driver. So we needed to look for the smoothest possible transition, if, if possible. So in this case, I've known Coach Djordjevic for a long time, but uh, uh, we never look at each other as an employer or an employee, or we never look at each other as an opportunity to, okay, you are going to be potentially a coach on, on the team I'm, I'm running. So it was the first time to really evaluate each other from, from this perspective. Uh, there were some other, let's say, good options on the table. Uh, I like the fact that Djordjevic uh, was coming from a very significant season. I like the fact that he has, he has been, a, let's say, a very successful player who knows, who knows how to manage a locker room. I like the fact that he had already coached some of the players in our picture, like Bartel, Booker, Guduric. So, and also I like the, the, the fact that we had known each other for, for a while. And again, it was just a matter of, let's say, uh, making the sharing deeper and from a different angle in order to understand each other needs and each other desires, you know? And, um, I think we were lucky that he was still available on the market after the Italian championship and whatever happened in Bologna this year, because he definitely did a very, very good job there. Even if let's say it was a very unusual season for, for Bologna, the way things happen, especially for his situation. And um, at the end of the day, I think uh, we favored the, let's say, the best possible transition into managing a group that he did not put together. And uh, again, I think, uh, I think we, we were lucky to find him available at that point. And, uh, and so far, it's been a very constructive sharing. But again, we all know that the constructive sharing can be better evaluated when the real game starts and the real potential issues are on the table. But right now, we are happy of what we see. We're happy of how the old situation is developing, relationships and thinking and, and everything. I don't know how many job interviews you had before making the final selection, uh, but what do you usually look for in these job interviews with the potential head coaches and what specifically you were looking for? Uh, or at least, let's say, uh, what did you like the most uh, about uh, Sasha, you know, coming uh, to like to be ready for this position? Well, I think when you, when, when you interview someone, you, you try to understand his vision, understand the way he wants to, he would like to play, and also understand his needs or his requirements, because uh, maybe you like a coach and the first thing he tells you, hey, uh, somebody else designed the team, I don't want this player and this player and this player. And then, and then all of a sudden, it's not only a matter of changing players, but also the matter that maybe you have to reconsider, you know, the old construction, the budget and everything. So in this particular situation was also very important to understand how much a coach would see the current picture that we put together and how much he accepted the challenge to coach this kind of a team. Because, uh, again, uh, this, in this particular case, this was extremely important because we did not have at this stage the opportunity to, to let's say, change the roster again. You said we changed almost half of the roster in two months, then we had to change it again 
in three weeks, it was not possible. So we need, we need to find somebody who was truly convinced of the quality of the group that we put together because we are convinced to have a good group of, of guys and therefore, you know, enjoy the opportunity 100%. And uh, this was, I think, the first requirement. Then, of course, uh, when you sit down with the coach, you want to understand as much as you can what, you know, what personality he has, how much sharing is capable of doing with you, how much he, how much he can, let's say, uh, you know, what kind of relationship you can build with, with, you know, with the guy. I, you know, I always say that uh, um, I've met very special people in, in, as coaches throughout my career, but of course, uh, um, I have bad, I'm saying, I call it bad habits because all my time with Obradovic, I, I felt the privilege of an unbelievable, let's say, sharing, you know, of an unbelievable opportunity to, to talk basketball 24-7 uh, all year around. And this happened for almost 10 years. So I've been, let's say, used to something that is very, very special and very, very unique. But I think that... Uh, Communication, sharing, idea on how you want to play are the keys of, of how you evaluate a potential coach for, for your team. Uh, personally, I don't know uh, Coach uh, uh, Djordjevic, uh, and you for sure know him better than me. As you mentioned in one of your interviews, you know him almost for 30 years. And uh, but what's interesting that uh, he he was almost always your opponent, and especially in Italy, playing for a uh, few few rivals of uh, Treviso. Uh, and sometimes when you consider some important decisions and uh, some important hires, and when you consider the, all these personalities, sometimes you remember uh, some stories and or some stories just pop pop out in, in your mind when you think about a specific person. What story or what experience uh, would describe Coach Djordjevic uh, the best, both as a person and as a specialist? Well, I, you're right. I mean, I, I looked at him for many, many years as, a, as an opponent, as a, let's say, big-time opponent, of, especially of, 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 of Benetton. You know, and the, the rivalry with Fortitudo was... Uh, was uh, the main rivalry that, 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 that we had. But uh, um, again, as I, as I said uh, in another occasion, I, we kind of developed a relationship through the years. He was a player, I was a manager, but never in a situation to really either me having a chance to hire him as a player or or eventually as a coach. I always look from different angles. So the conversation was always very, very nice, very smiley, very, not, you know, very light, you know. Uh, I kind of follow him when he started his coaching career. Um, I almost felt some hesitancy after the Milano experience. Um, and I remember a story, uh, you know, at the end of the day, he was the last coach of Benetton. You know, he happened to be the last coach of Benetton because of what happened, you know, those years. I, I was in Toronto, so I was, you know, living from far, from far away. And, and I remember that uh, we had a, uh, we used to have, as you know, in Treviso, uh, Eurocamp. And, uh, and uh, we always tried to have a special guest to, to come along uh, with the NBA coaches or the NBA players. So sometimes we had uh, European guest stars, you know, I'm saying Papa Lucas uh, rather than Rebracha. And one time it happened, you know, with, with Sasha. And, and I told him, you're supposed to talk to these young guys that are, uh, that are on the court dreaming to become uh, what you have been as a player. They, they, they're putting efforts, they're putting dreams out there and they want to be great players like you were a great player. Now you are switching side, you're, you know, you are, you are a coach, you're starting your you know, career. Eh? You, 
I want to hear what you, what, you know, I almost provoked him. I, I said, you know, I, you need, now you need to talk to them. And I remember that he was very hesitant. He, are you sure? You know, I don't know if I can do this, you know, and I was surprised by how humble he was in the, in the answer because I was expecting, Hey, you know, no problem. Hey, I'll tell him this, you know, this kind of approach instead he was very hesitant and I, and I had to force him, Hey, you know, you cannot, uh, you cannot say no, you have to do it. This is for me at Eurocamp and this, and this is, you know, we have a tradition of great speakers, so you have to do it. And when he talked to this young man for, you know, 20 minutes, I, I was very surprised by the, the things that he said, by how he said it. And, um, and that's something that, that stayed in the back of my mind. And then again, then of course you follow, you follow somebody's career, like you follow players, you follow coaches, you follow. But I again, um, I thought he had made some good points. I thought he, he had been very, very open, very passionate, very different from what I expected with him being so hesitant. You know, so. It kind of stuck into my mind. Then uh, I think that, um, you know, he's, he's still in the growing process. I know today, today is his birthday, so he's even older today, but he's still a young coach in a way because, okay, uh, at the end of the day, his experience are, let's say, not comparable to guys that have been in the business for 20 or 25 years. Is a let's say it's a young career, but it's a significant career where he has been, especially this this last two and a half years in Bologna. So it's it's a challenge for him. It's a challenge for us. But uh, I think uh, I think he has qualities. I think he has uh, he has some something to let's say transfer to the players, and and I count I count on his ability to to understand the players and connect to the players from a personal standpoint. Uh, I had a, you know, I had a master like Obradovic, you know, so good at connecting with players or someone special like, you know, Mike D'Antoni was a great guy doing this, finding the, let's see, the, the key to connect. And, uh, and that's what I, you know, I'm expecting more as, a, as an element in, in this situation, his ability to, to connect to people, his ability to transfer to them, uh, let's say, his uh, floor leadership as a former player, or his tricks, his, uh, his advices on how to face the game situation, how to get the most out of, a, out of an opportunity. Uh, I think uh, uh, communicating and managing a locker room will be his, uh, his main challenge on one hand, but also his, his strong point on the other. So I, uh, in America, you would say he's a, he's a player's coach. And, uh, and I think that's the reality. And, you know, and uh, uh, again, I don't know what else to add to this, to this picture. I think... Uh, I think he has the tools to click to click with the players. But again, I don't know if it's only me or coach Djordjevic looks so different compared to Igor Kokoshkov, let's say from the character standpoint. First and foremost, in a way of, let's say, how demanding Djordjevic is, how tough sometimes he can be with his players, even though, as you mentioned, he's more like a player's coach. And I remember you explained um, how you explained the idea of signing Kokoshkov uh, one year ago, saying that, saying that after Zerko left, you wanted something new, something out of the box, because you knew that it's impossible to follow the same path uh, like with Zerko, because it's not going to be better. And, you know, I know that uh, uh, Djordjevic signing was also based on a market situation, but in general... Uh, is it fair to say that signing Djordjevic, uh, which, as I said, you know, from the character standpoint, looks like a completely different coach when uh, Kokoshkov means that you are more <coughs> a fan of, like, let's say, more disciplined, more demanding head coach uh, next to you? Well, you know, 
I like your question because it's a tricky question and you're waiting for my answer. And uh, I'm not provoking you, but no, I mean, no, that, no, that's no, the, no, the, the thing which I, came I to my mind. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's a question that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I told you earlier that uh, we never know all the answers, you know. I wish it was that easy. Uh, and, and another thing is also to understand if uh, something works or it doesn't work or it works just, let's say, 50% or whatever. Uh, again, unfortunately, I, I keep repeating myself, I, I got bad habits because, because of Obradovich. So, and Obradovich could not be the, the term of comparison, again, as the situation was developing. So we shared last year how we decided to think out of the box. And actually, we even share with uh, our friend Polios and uh, in Kaunas how to, how to be creative and think out of the box. And I have to say that, and after Igor's, you know, it doesn't have anything to do with the fact that Igor is not coaching anymore, that he left, he went back to the States. But I have to say that there were things that we were, you know, uh, really appreciative of what he brought. It was a good, let's say, coaching experience. Of course, he was good, very good in certain things and very different in other things. And, uh, and, um, and again, uh, we thought that probably at the end of the day, looking at the option that we had in that, in July, uh, Sasha was also the best combination of uh, uh, personality, uh, a certain degree of uh, aggressiveness in, in the approach, uh, more discipline, like you, like you mentioned. Uh, again, you try to bring in as many possible elements that you think can, can, uh, can be of help in, in managing you know, the situation that that you, that you are putting together. But again, we would have to analyze Igor's season in order to understand better, let's say, the, the upcoming season. And again, I want to say it, that Igor brought a lot of good things to the picture. Uh, and, and again, and, no, and I'm not just, you know, he was, uh, let's say, he was really a, an in, innovative effect in the way we work and we did a lot a lot of things but on the other hand he was also very mba you know in his approach to how to manage a group on the court and off the court because that's what he has been doing for uh, 20 some years forever you know so and sometimes we realize that uh, especially at the top level of competition you you need uh, probably more as I said before, more aggressiveness or more discipline or more, more of something. But uh, we cannot uh, underestimate what Igor brought to the picture and the quality of, of a lot of things that he, that, he, that he brought to us as an organization. Guys, just a quick reminder, our bonus is available on all major streaming platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and so on. Just write your bonus in the search bar and make sure to follow us so you don't miss out on our future episodes. Also, don't forget to visit basketnews.com, where you will find the latest European basketball news and exclusive content. You know, asking this, I'm, I'm trying to, let's say, to find an answer, which is probably uh, impossible at this moment because we didn't have uh, enough examples. But I'm thinking about uh, NBA mentality coaches in Europe. And uh, as, for example, Jelko recently said that NBA doesn't like European coaches. So that bridge is really hard, you know, uh, to get to the NBA from Europe. But here in Europe, we also still having some experiments with NBA style of coaches. And we already uh, had some experience uh, with Kokoshkov, with Rick Pitino. As I mentioned, uh, currently Martin Schiller is working uh, with Jargidis. Uh, I'm just thinking if, if that kind of you know, mentality change uh, is, is going to succeed in Europe. I mean, if NBA coaches uh, might be successful in, in Europe. Well, I think, uh, I think that there is not an answer. I perfectly understand the, 
Zelko's comments. We shared in the past that, you know, how the NBA system is. So it's, it's not simple for them, the way that they are, you know, organized and played to give, let's say, full command to a European coach or an international coach. It's not simple. But I think uh, there will always be the possibility for, let's call it a technical interchange of for people to stay on one side, come and work on this side, go back to the other side, but maybe not, not uh, let's say in, in, you know, not, we, we would all, not in the situation that we would dream of, you know, we don't understand as Europeans, we don't understand why uh, Zelko was never a head coach or Messina or some of the top coaches, but, but once that you get into the, let's say, when you get overseas, you understand why this is not uh, exactly an option in the way the business is being, is being run. But I think it's always helpful to have this sort of, let's say, technical interchange, to have coaches when they have an opportunity to come. Of course, you need to bring the right support. It's ironically, you know, I, I'm saying ironically, Igor left, but Erdem Jan now is an assistant coach in Utah. And, and I think Erdem Jan is an excellent coach. And I think that when he's going to come back to Europe, he will bring something new and something better, not only to his uh, CV or his career, but also to whatever place he's going to be coaching at. And, and I think we need to be open to this possibility. I mean, uh, as I said before, we had plus and minus in the experience with, with Igor this year, but we were ready to go and keep building on, on the choices, on the plans, on just like, again, we just talked about Kaunas with, with their coach. I mean, it's important to, to be open to this, uh, let's say, possibility of, of growth through new ways of running, you know, of running the, the basketball business, not just on the court, but also off the court. I mean, opening to the best practices in the world is never a, a bad thing to do. Then, of course, we need to be smart enough to adjust to the situation that we're managing, you know, and understand quickly if that works or if it doesn't work. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I want to say something very... <laughs> Uh, unusual, but when when the news spread around that Igor was going back to the states, I you know I would say that the the two, three, four NBA coaches immediately called to make themselves available. So uh, that tells you that it's a basketball community. Okay, we are one oceans away from from each other, but they're all watching very, very carefully what, you know, what's happening and, and the value of the experience. And I'm telling you, the phone calls were, were quality people. So, uh, but then again, you need to understand the moment that you're living as a club, the issues that potentially you can have. In our case, our situation was also a very particular situation. You know, end of July, new team already built. You know, it's a lot of factors coming in. Plus, we had an opportunity to, you know, to go for Sasha, and we were comfortable to make this decision. And you also mentioned very interesting and very important uh, moment. Uh, like working with Jelko was a big privilege, and, but at the same time, he sets the bar so high that sometimes, uh, you know, you have you might have some problems judging the other people, uh, judging the uh, other coaches, uh, other basketball uh, minds. And I have a very long question uh, for this one because I made some uh, calculations uh, of your uh, job in, in Fener and these two consecutive summers were with, let's say, with the most of roster changes, uh, including uh, players departing the team or arriving to the team. And in last two consecutive summers, you made the most changes since 2015 and 2016. And what is in interesting, you also, it was like maybe 20, 30 years ago when you had three different coaches in 15 months. And I'm trying, uh, you know, to, to understand, maybe to ask you uh, this. Uh, do you still, let's say, kind of look for the identity of this team after trying to rebuild after Jelko's era, and how do you 
uh, how did you try to find that uh, foundation which you want you know to build up for the future well uh, <coughs> I don't want to question your numbers because I know that you are very good at uh, you know studying the records but uh, I And I don't want to say it's Zelko's fault because he, like you said, he always sets the bar too high for everybody. But uh, I think you have to consider other aspects too that are not necessarily technical aspects. What I'm saying is that uh, we had the need to turn page and the need was also based on the fact that uh, we were trying to give a different dimension to our basketball, our business of basketball. So we had to make a different plan. And the different plan, uh, you know, consequently brought to having to make some decision on key players because we were, we were heading to a different dimension of our, of our business. So that also impacted the technical decisions. So that's one element to keep in consideration. Of course, uh, you try to be consistent. Uh, when, when, you know, when Jelko and I started working together at Fenerbahce, and I know these numbers because I had a presentation this morning, not because I was ready for your podcast, but season, you know, was the end of the 13-14 season. And uh, up to that time, we had... Uh, played in the EuroLeague for 13 years. Our winning percentage as Fenerbahce was 45.8. And we never made Final Four. And, uh, and uh, the most we got was twice we, we got to the top eight in all these years. With Zelko arrival, arrival uh, we made the plan very, very clear because at the end of, of the day, you need to have a plan, create the path to reach your goal. And as you anticipated, which is very important for me, is have a philosophy, have a, you know, the values of your organization always have to reflect your, your working philosophy and all the choices that you're trying to make. And between 13 and 14 and 15 and 16, out of 16 players, only two were left on the roster. And throughout Zelko's time in, in Fenerbahce, our winning percentage jumped to 75%. We had one EuroLeague title, three EuroLeague finals, five consecutive playoff appearances. So that was the result of that, let's say, turnover that it was necessary to, let's say, try to reach the goal that we, at the beginning, decided in the initial sharing, okay, this is our goal, this is how we want to share, this is how we want to get there, this, we need more toughness, more aggressiveness, more athleticism, we want to go this way, and these are the decisions. Then as I, we had more changes to make in a different time, dictated by, you know, Zelko's departure. I wasn't myself even sure of what I was going to do, let's say, in my life, because at that point, I'm, you know, I, I want to see young, young executive, you know, moving forward, not, uh, so there was a time of hesitancy and, uh, but the major, the major thing was understanding the moment, understanding the option and the fact that we wanted to give it, let's say a different dimension to our business of basketball. I think uh, this was the, original idea of, uh, you know, the problem is why so many changes? Very, very simple. We had to build a team with a new coach last year, basically at the end, of, you know, in July with the coach in the bubble, with the market already, let's say, without too many options. And we had to rush to just put, let's say, a picture together. This year, we had the time to plan things, to do things, but ironically, 
the coach left at the end of the process. So we had to make changes to somehow adjust a picture that uh, we were working on for the past, four, you know, uh, 24, 24 months, you know. But uh, again, I also believe that if you are a good, uh, let's say, manager, for as much as you want to give stability to what you have, you need to be ready to evaluate your picture and possible changes all year around. But I am, I'm, let's say, maybe we share the same vision. I don't like a lot of changes. I want to make the changes that fit in my, my as a club, you know, our you know, philosophy, our plan, our vision, what we are trying to accomplish. And that's, uh, you know, this year called for changes and we have to go for changes. Yeah, and uh, how far this team right now is from, from the picture which you want to see? I mean, as you said, all these like first two years with uh, Fener uh, also required many changes. Is it fair to say that now this team is closer what you want to see on the court? I would say yes. Uh, let's say is getting, let's say the plan is more complete, but uh, again, in the past, it was much easier to, let's say, to have definite answer, to make long-term planning. Uh, today is much more of a, let's say, it's a much shorter uh, uh, planning period. You know, you need to be available to, you need to be ready to make adjustments all, all the time because maybe, you know, someone calls from overseas, hey, we take your player or hey, you know, you're, you know, somebody becomes an, an opportunity and you need to be ready. I, I believe in, uh, in, in, uh, let's call it a, a working philosophy, quality people, you know, certain characteristics, possibly, uh, let's say, uh, versatility as being a quality, you know, I like to have versatile players who can play more than just one position. I like, you know, a, a, at least an average, average uh, degree of athleticism because athleticism is important. I like team players in terms of approach in the sense that I don't like, you know, selfish players who don't care about the group, who don't care about being team players. Uh, at the end of the day, the, the concept that you sell to the players is always the same. You are your own company. You need to take care of yourself because it's your own company. You need to be, you know, very, very cautious and, and work for your success of your own company because the success of your company brings the success of the big company and the big company is the club. You know, everybody needs to have the same approach. So we always want to sell to the players how important is we, 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 you know, uh, working together, thinking together, being together. This is also on the court, off the court is, is a very important value to sell as an organization. And again, on paper, these are all very nice concepts, but then you need to translate in reality. Sometimes, sometimes, you know, you're lucky, you're lucky. Sometimes, it, you know, it falls in place. Sometimes you need to be ready to make adjustments because what you planned on is not exactly what it turned out to be. And you have to be ready to, to, to adjust. You know, that's very important. Talking about projects, uh, Jelko Bradovic is not only your former coach, but he's also a good friend of yours. And he started a new project uh, with Partizan. What in general you think about his decision? I believe you talk uh, to each other a lot and how he feels about this project, how curious you are you know, about this uh, proje project since you're a big uh, European basketball fan. Well, I, you know, Jelko uh, cannot stay away for too long from coaching because coaching is, is his life. And, and I think he made a very interesting decision and, uh, and a very, let's say, uh, intriguing decision by going back to his 
to his first club. And uh, I, you know, I think he's, he's going to surprise people. He's going to surprise people because they put together a, a, good, a good group of players uh, and they have a very, very special coach, very unique coach. So that, that the quality of those players would multiply. And, uh, and they have players who can really impact, uh, you know, impact the game at the Euro Cup level and at the ABBA League level. So I'm very, let's say, very curious to watch Zeko in action this year. I have no doubt of, uh, again, of the results because, because he's, he's very, very special. I, I can almost bring as an example when he came to Benetton in a very similar situation. And, and uh, Benetton was not Real Madrid where he was coaching the year before, but Benetton became a, a different kind of challenge, both on the Italian league scenario and, uh, and on the Supporter Cup scenario to the point that we won the Supporter Cup. So I don't want the Supporter Cup is today's Euro Cup. So I don't want to say anything because otherwise they... You know, it's but it's just as an example. He loves the challenges, and I'm sure he, he will. You know, he he will be a very very let's say challenging team for everybody. I mean, I he he has the potential to you know to bring uh, Partizan back to the main European stage. I mean, I think they they really they really brought a, you know good quality group of guys together with a lot of potential. And again, they also gave Zelko the adrenalinic approach of the, of the challenge. And so Zelko perfectly understands the challenge on the table right now. And I, and I think this is the condition that he likes most, you know, having the, the quality to, to fight through the last step of the competition. So it's, I, think, I think it would be very exciting to follow Partizan this year. Uh, when Jelko took time off uh, after Fenerbahce, uh, tell me what was your vision, what was your idea, what kind of, uh, <coughs> where Jelko will end up after this time off? Because now I believe you're happy because at least he's not facing you in the EuroLeague. He's now in the EuroCup and, you know, led him to be the EuroCup his kingdom. Uh, but wh well, what were you thinking, you know, where Jelko is coming back after that one-year break? Jelko, uh, you know, We said it before, I mean, Zelko is so unique that uh, he would be a nightmare for any, any opponent, not just, uh, not just for us, because it's, again, uh, on the other hand, he's so special that he deserves a special situation to work in. And at the end of the day, Partizan was, was a very, very spe special place for him to be, to be, and sentimentally, technically, and as a potential of a plan. Um, Zelko, I think, enjoyed in the year off the possibility of recharging, you know, also due to the, let's say, funny times that, that we are in, but uh, um, he definitely watched a lot of basketball. I remember that the conversation we had, you know, once in a while, he was, he, he was always more updated than me. That tells you, you know, he, he, no, he really follow, he follow, you know, he loves basketball. I mean, he's, uh, uh, you, you know, he, he, there is no way that's, that, uh, that he can stay away from, from, uh, from, from having a basketball and teaching and teaching the game. Of course, uh, um, a culture is very special and it demands a very special place. But uh, uh, again, I think we all needed him back. I mean, it's not just EuroLeague or EuroCup or Champions League or whatever. I mean, basketball needed Zelko to be back on the stage because he's one of the true few legends that we have. And, and uh, the other day, you know, I told him, I told him a couple of days ago when we talked the last time, and I said, 
you know, I miss you so much that uh, I, I even watched Partizan TV the other day when they show you seven minutes of your coaching on the court because I missed that coaching for so long. And he starts, you know, and he starts, you know, laughing. But, uh, but again, is is a presence that we all need and we all we all benefit from, whether it's on your side or on the opposing side, because uh, the the growth of the game, the popularity of the game, the quality of the game improves with with people of this type. You know, very simple. And talking about the growth of the game, as a, an ambassador of the international basketball, probably you should be very uh, happy to see like Nikola Jokic becoming the MVP of the NBA season, uh, Yanis becoming the NBA Finals MVP, uh, then with Luka uh, making the All-NBA first team. And I wanted uh, to ask you, you know, I know that you, you know, it's tough to be... Uh, more updated in basketball than you, as you mentioned uh, about Jelko, because I know that you wake up early in the morning to watch NBA games, then you have all these Fenerbahce things uh, to do. And I believe you also, uh, you know, uh, followed this NBA season. I just wanted to ask you, you know, uh, wh- how do you feel watching these new generation generation stars like Doncic, Jokic, Yanis, and how would you compare them with the best older generation international players, starting from, for example, Novitski, Tony Parker, Pau Gasol, to Sabonis, uh, Dražen Petrovic, or Tony Kukoc? Well, um, that makes me feel very old because I've seen all this generation, you know, of incredible players. Uh, I think... Uh, The one thing we can say at at the end of the day is that uh, we're talking about unbelievable players through all these generations, but what's happening today is a a tribute to the improved uh, impact that international basketball has on the NBA. What I'm saying is If you look at this generation, at this period of times, today's international players are impacting the game in the way that nobody else did in the past. Uh, And this, I think, what we can take out of today's picture. Uh, NBA has grown so much globally that the heroes of today's game are truly global heroes. And uh, we would have never thought to have an MVP, you know, an MVP coming from Serbia the same year that a, that a Greek player dominates the NBA Finals and that a Slovenian player is the, probably uh, the next model of the basketball generation around the world. I mean, it's, 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 it was totally unthinkable When I start watching NBA and the first, uh, you know, international players only generated some, uh, let's say, smile, like it's not possible. You know, I remember, uh, I remember where Phoenix brought in uh, Georgi Glukov from Bulgaria and they said, hey, you know, there is no way international player can impact the game. Instead, all the names that you, you know, that you listed as an example, gives the idea of uh, how much international basketball impacts NBA today. But on the other end, is also a tribute of how successful the NBA business can be globally because of having so many basketball ambassadors around the world, so many examples for young generation, for uh, any kid around the world who starts playing basketball. And, uh, and this is the beauty of the game, but again, Going to your question, it's amazing what's happening today. You know, it's amazing that uh, we are enjoying this international flavor at the very, very, very top level of the NBA. We're one month away from the new Euroleague season, and just your short take: uh, where we are right now in the Euroleague basketball, what kind of challenges uh, we're facing besides, of course, Corona crisis, which consequences we still, uh, you know, we we still experience. Well. Uh, I think we were very clever at uh, completing last season the way we did. And I think we need to hope 
not only to do the same this year, but also to start having, you know, physical participation to our game and, and start getting some feel back of what having fans means for, for our game because fans are very important for our game, extremely important. Uh, I'm expecting a very, let's say, balanced, very exciting season, just like the one we, we went through. <coughs> we have, uh, again, on paper, we have many teams that can, you know, uh, think to have a chance today to, let's not just say playoffs, let's just say make the, making, let's say not say final four, let's say playoffs. I think uh, at the end of the day, all the, all the teams are thinking that they can have a chance to make the playoffs. You don't see one team much, much stronger or one team much, much weaker, which is very good for the, for the quality of the competition and it's very good for the fans to to follow it up. So, again, the, the powerhouses are always the same, but uh, more than ever, it's going to be a very unpredictable season. Am I right that it's going to be your, like, 41st season in basketball? Uh, you know, I don't like numbers. I don't know if it's 41 or 42. It depends how you read it, but... Uh, Because uh, last year you mentioned it is going to be your 40th. Uh, yeah, I think that is 41. My first season was 81 as a GM. It was 81, 82. So you make the calculation. But I think it's, yes, should be 41. You know, but that's, uh, let's not talk about these numbers. These are not the numbers to, these are not the numbers to discuss. But, uh, but that's, that's, that's an experience uh, to discuss. And that's a, in one way, it's a huge advantage. But at the same time, you know, probably so challenging to advance with the new generation, with the new technologies, with the new kind of basketball, you know, both on and off the court. And if, especially when you remember that, you know, years ago you were signing players from the United States just looking from the picture of, you know, NCAA magazine and just trying to figure out if, you know, he's, he's higher than two meters or he's like, you know, 196, something like that. And my, my last question uh, is... If you would have that power, you know, uh, what uh, basketball processes, what kind of things you would like, you know, to change back? You know, what went wrong with basketball which you don't like? Um, I cannot say technology because technology helps so much. Sometimes when I, when I try to explain that I got started and there was no no cell phone or no computer, people don't think I'm joking because they, they think that it was always like this as it is today. But that, that was not the case. Uh, I think technology is very important, but uh, I, again, I would like to leave too many things today, I think are, I would say, too sophisticated in a certain way Too, I, I think there, there has to be a, a human factor in everything we do or every, every situation that we evaluate that can still impact all the decision that we make. Uh, sometimes uh, numbers are becoming too, too important. Sometimes, uh, uh, you know, studying of the numbers are the key for, for many decisions. Uh, but just like when you try to evaluate the player, I think uh, we need to still have the patience to dig more inside a player's personality to, to spend the time of, let's say, of have some sort of personal sharing to, to understand that no matter how quick and how deeply the, you know, the, the business develops, The, the, the human factor in making good decision is always, is always important. So uh, let's never take everything for granted. I mean, based on numbers on, and technology or whatever the developments of uh, the business brings. Let's, uh, let's always keep, uh, let's say, that human 
uh, factor as a, as the the leading factor in everything we do. That's probably what I would, you know, consider at the end of the day. It was a lovely conversation, Mauricio. Uh, thanks for joining the podcast. Best of luck uh, for Fenerbahce in the upcoming season. And I hope that we all enjoy, you know, it with fans in the stands and high-level basketball on the court. Thank you for the opportunity. It's always a pleasure to share basketball. And uh, again, let's all enjoy the, you know, the best possible season. Thank you. That's all, folks. Please subscribe to the Basket News YouTube channel and you can also find our bonus podcast on all major streaming platforms like Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thanks again and see you later.